It's time for Coalfield and Company. I don't give a f- Adam Hill. You guys are a bunch of jerks, and you can't handle it. I f- that guy. Blame you for not being a freaking adult about things. I don't give a f- what that guy thinks, what he has to say, or what he writes. Friday here, Cofield Company. As we do each and every Friday, try to get you ready for the weekend. So much going on, as you can probably tell already. This is not the voice of Steve Cofield. Adam Hill in here with you, along with our good friend here on the program and in real life, Willie Ramirez. How you doing, sir? What's happened? It's uh, Hill and the homie today. It is. It's it not is. Cofield and Company. It's been a while, so I forgot we even had a name for this. So that's good. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Also. Uh, people will be able to tell, I'm sure. I am fired up, as I've been saying all week. My going to bed at 5 a.m. habits are really not working out this week. <laughs> Training camp going on early in the morning. This is a good time. Good news for everyone. I was a danger on the roads, but we're here, ready to go, ready to bring you the big show today, and there's so much to get to. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Sorry, you, I, we didn't mean to cut you off there, Willie. We, had a, we just had a sounder to go to. So No, I, you're, the, you're going to bed at 5. It's like that's usually when I'm getting home from my first workout of the day. I know. You actually usually, oddly enough, since we our lives overlap so much here, uh, I usually like will see a story from you. Like your first Instagram story in the morning. Yeah. As I go to sleep, because usually that's what I'm doing is just watching Instagram as I go to sleep. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, Willie's awake. That's good. <laughs> and go to bed. This the, is fun. The alarm has has gotten earlier and earlier um, as as the assignments have come to be out there because, you know, um, driving driving in from Aliante's never fun. So, and since the press room is open to us at 545... I try to get in there around six ish just to get some pre stuff done and um, get some reading done. And, you know, it's be- I find it better to work out there early than cram it in and then race out there by the time that they request that we be there by. So, yeah, there are some, um, there have been some uh, early alarms in my house. Uh, yeah. And this is, by the way, I'm sure people are like, well, oh, you're complaining to go watch Raiders. Pra-. We know, we, we get it. I'm just describing, first of all, apologizing to anybody on the road, I think, I probably shouldn't admit this, I think I fell asleep four times on the way here. Not as I was driving. Is it just that lights? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I'd wake I, up and be like, oh, what, what's I, going on? I've, d- I've done that after Golden Knights games where you're sitting there and, and, and then all of a sudden you just, you half-second nod at a red light. Especially at an off ramp when I get toward my house, and it's, it's holy. I there was one time I'll tell you this. I can't remember what season it was. It had to have been the season before the pandemic, but I was coming home from a Golden Knights game, and I got pulled over, clo- is like on Decatur off the two fifteen North Decatur. Pulls me over, and he puts me through the 
you know, the all the questions, have you been drinking, where are you coming from, so on and so forth. I told him, I said, man, I tell you, officer, I swear to you, I have not had one cocktail. I have been at a Golden Knights game. Here's my credential. I was suited up. I showed him the press credential. I said, I am just 100% legitimate tired. Eyes are bloodshot. Contacts are burning my eyes, and I'm just wiped out. I need to get home or I'm going to fall asleep here talking to you. He so. let you go? Yeah, I mean, he he pulled me over because he said he had been following me on the 95, and then there's a where it turns into the 215 out there. There's all those barriers, and it's still under construction as they're building Spaghetti Bowl too. Right, and so he had said he had been following me because he was more concerned that I was drinking and driving. And once he realized, I said, I live right around the corner. You can pull up my address. He ran my, he ran everything, and I said, I I I'm wide awake now. You got me wide awake. So <laughs> and. Uh, no, he he was cool about it. He just he was more worried that I had been that he had you know been tailing a drunk driver. And I, I said, I assure you, I have not been drinking. It's funny. I've always thought about that because I I feel like I'm driving tired way too often, <laughs> too often lately. Uh, but I've always thought of that. Like, can you? Say, I'm sure. I guess you can just say whatever you want. It, it's up to the officer to decide. Yeah. But I'm like, if you say you're just exhausted, aren't they going to be like? That's just as bad as being drunk, which it kind of is. It is. I mean, you're, 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 you know, it's the same thing as if you are on uh, like pain medication, because that just, what does that do? That gets you tired, right? Sure. Um, you know, being on, I guess, being on those who smoke and drive, that's different because that's mind altering. And the, but as far as like, you know, they pain pills or 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 something, medication. Any kind of medication that makes you drowsy, I guess it would be the same thing. You're not under narcotics, but yeah, he could have said, you know. I I would guess that if I was very far away and I was swerving that badge, which I didn't realize I was, he said I was riding the line for a, for a bit on the 95, that they could make a bigger deal of it. But he was cool about it, let me go. So, yeah, and and we both made it today. So <laughs> after a long and, and entertaining day at Raiders practice. Yeah, there was a lot going on. We'll, uh, we'll get into that and uh... – Stop whining about being up early. But I, I'm just trying to let people know what's going on in my life. I want people to They are. They're understand. interested. I'm, I'm sure they are. Uh, a lot of things happening at Raiders camp. We'll get into a lot of them as we go. But uh, real quick to give an overview, we had our first fight today. Yep. We had our, I guess, our first parlor game, if you want to call it that. We, got, we had a, a rock, paper, scissors matchup yeah. that went down. Yeah. Uh, we had one of my favorite drills that they've done so far in, in the entire camp, which was just one-on-ones, receiver, cornerback, inside the five-yard line. Do you score a touchdown or not? I love that. That was a fun fun drill. We'll get into how some of that went down. Uh, Carl Nassib spoke for the first time today, probably the only time in training camp that we'll hear from him, and uh, we'll get some good sound from him as well. Uh, actually, a very interesting day on the podium, Willie, with – not only Carl Nassib, who I thought was very, uh, very open and honest and and uh, forthright with what he talked about, uh, Zay Jones I thought was really good his yeah. first time. I think there was a lot of uh, you know the the guys scheduled to talk today on the official list were Zay Jones and Foster Moreau, and a lot of people were like, okay, this is going to be a boring day. But actually, Zay Jones was really good. Yeah, and I thought Foster Moreau was really good too. I thought that the way that they interacted with us was was fantastic. I think it it it. It sort of brings their personality out. It, you know, in a sense, it it makes you feel as if you know they want to be there, and and they're more than just giving you the garden variety, you know, give you a quick answer. I mean, Derek Carr's answers are are long, and he tries to 
sort of prolong everything. I, I sometimes wonder if his, his answers are really long to take up a little more time, so that way whatever his allotment is. Yeah, the, yeah. So, but I thought that their interaction was great. You know, Zay talked about you know his love of the city and and wanting to buy a house and wanting to live here and and moving out here when he did and sort of becoming a part of this town and his excitement in, in terms of it being a pro sports town. And then you had Foster Moreau who interacted and uh, which will talk about in a minute as far as initiating the rock paper scissors game and then Carl Nassib you know he he I thought it he started off you know I was sitting in the front with our good friend Ed Graney and I, and I thought I I don't know we don't know his mannerisms so maybe some people just are naturally a little bit nervous or shaky but it seemed like first couple of questions you know he was thinking about a little bit he did admit that he wanted to get it over with and then I thought that he did great but I think the interaction with us was fantastic I think it was one of the more complete days where everybody was engaging and uh, that we've had in the first two weeks of camp. Yeah, for sure. I thought um, definitely some good stuff, and we'll get into a lot of what we heard out there at Raider camp today. Uh, some other things around the NFL. Willie, football's back. I mean, I know we've been talking about training camp, and we're there. There was a game last night. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. I've I've been excited about it. I've been, you know, I, you know, for you, you you've had a chance to cover this team long before they it arrived here, you know. So for me, in in it, this feels like the first season I'm covering the Raiders, even though I got to cover the Raiders last year, um, you know, basically because of the pandemic, but. It it's definitely brings a different excitement when you're out there, you're covering, and then all of a sudden, you know, I I don't know about you, but you know, in watching in the game last night, the Hall of Fame game, and hearing the broadcasters and hear hear hearing the reporters talk about you know what's taking place in 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 each camp, in each respective camp, you know, the Cowboys and the Steelers. I kind of relate now to going, okay, well, yeah, oh, okay, I understand, you know, well, this is what was going on with the Raiders. So to be out there full fledged this year with the Raiders. It, it, it brings a different perspective for me in being my first full-blown season. And even though we're still masked up and we're still enduring this pandemic, um, you know, just a little more extensive coverage than I had last year. So we got that to get into the NFL football game last night. I'll tell you why. Uh, I saw people complaining on Twitter, and I hate every single one of them uh, that were complaining about football last night. Uh, we have Lamar Jackson is back, and he had a really good day. Uh, and it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with somebody else getting paid. Getting into that and so much more here on this Friday edition of Cofield and Company, Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. We are back, Cofield and Company. Hill and his homie edition. Homies, but homie, there's only one here, so I guess homie. Well, Ari's a homie. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, that was funny. Um, Olympics return. I mean, the Olympics have been going on every night, but Olympic basketball is what a lot of people care about in the Team USA game back tonight. First of all, since this has been a hot topic, not only on the show as we just heard, but also with a lot of people in, in my real life. Yeah. Uh, what have you thought of of like how I say how easy it is to watch the games? Other people say how hard it is to watch the games. 
I, you know, it's, I'm wondering I, this. Well, first of all, I don't think it's that hard to watch the games, no. I, you know, but my question is, does it seem like this year it's, it's, it's not as big of a headline with so much other, go, so many other things going on, on and off the competition floor or surface um, where, you know, in the past it was always, it just always seemed to steal the spotlight, steal the headlines, steal the, the broadcast. Like that's what everyone was watching. Just, I don't know, is, are as many people actually tuned in or just tuning in after the fact and, and seeing what the results are? Personally, though, no, I don't think it's, it's that difficult to watch. Well, it's a, it's another year where the the time isn't great. Uh, that's what one of that's one of the big things people complain about. I mean, when there's when there's an Olympics either in North America or South America, and they put everything in prime time, and you watch everything live, like on NBC, uh, it's it's a different feel than when everything's basically in the middle of the night. Um, and so I think that that's part of it. I think another part of it, and listen, this is something I think NBC was right about, even though. I never liked it. I prefer it this way. Um, NBC always has done this. We're not going to. We're going to try everything we can to not let you see any results of anything that's going on in the middle of the night, and then we're going to put everything on the primetime show, and everybody in the world has to watch it. Everybody in the country right. has to watch it at the same time in prime time the next night when the results are old, and we're trying to do everything we can to stop you from seeing it, but it's not going to work, and they've realized it's not going to work. So now you can watch anything at any time. You watch, just turn on the track and field channel or the fencing channel, or as I was watching last night, uh, the the boxing channel. And you just watch everything live. And so I feel like with not everybody watching everything at the same time anymore, right? I think it's taken something away. Now, I prefer it like this. I prefer to watch it on my own time, to watch live, to check things out and find the results. And I don't care about watching the primetime coverage, I want to pick and choose which events I watch because I watch it like a sporting event. But it does take away from that primetime show. I agree 100% with you. Like, if I could, if well, I guess I am. I was going to say if I could stay up like you stay up, but I guess I'm waking up well, in, in the middle of the night. But I wish I could just throw it on and watch it live. Like, if I wanted to watch, I, I am somebody, no matter what it is, I don't care what sport it. It could be the Golden Knights. It could be the Raiders. It could be all my favorite teams. Whatever that you know. If if it's over, I I'm probably not going to watch it. You know, um, and I'm not even the type that's going to DVR and tell somebody. Don't tell me the results. I'm going home to watch it. That I I just can't do. It. I'd just rather know. If I want to watch things live, and like you said on your time. So if it comes to the Olympics, I I would I would much rather watch it on my time in the middle of the night, whenever it may be Tokyo time um, and whatever sport that would be, you know, in the summer, I'm generally going to be interested in, you know, watching the men's basketball team, watching the women's basketball team, um, the soccer, Taekwondo. I'm definitely interested. You know, I have a somewhat of personal interest in that. Um, so um, and a little bit of the track and field, especially if there's, you know, some local interest there, but I want to watch it live. I don't want to watch tape delay and I don't care about the prime time. Uh, I actually flipped on the boxing channel last night to see that there was a, a Cuban guy who had won the light heavyweight gold medal four years or five years ago, I guess, with the, the extended year. He won the light heavyweight title five years ago. Now he's back as a heavyweight. Uh, he was a plus $2 underdog against a Russian guy. Hmm. And I looked at them and I said, there's no way this Cuban guy should be a two to one underdog 
against this Russian guy. And I bet it not having any knowledge of them. And I won. I was very happy. That's, <laughs> that's what it's that's it, it, that's was, it was like a very uh, racist isn't the right word. It was like it was a countryist judgment. I was like a Cuban boxer against a Russian boxer and I'm getting plus two dollars. Come on. Come yeah, on. This is insane. The, the value dog uh, uh, just merits alone. Of course. And it hit. So I got lucky and I'll never bet boxing in the Olympics again. So I can just <laughs> retire one and know. I'll take it. Uh, last thing on the Olympics before we get out of here. Cornhole wants in. Should we put them in? Should cornhole be an Olympic event? Well, considering breakdancing is in there. <laughs> um, Wait, I, it's I, in there this year? It's it's coming up. I don't think it's in there this year. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it been approved? It's going to be a sport. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I have no idea. Uh, so yeah, I, I if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. It's got to be judged sport, right? You judge yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that tell was you. that was big news because I remember making um, making us think about the that the that the the people the the committee that should choose should be some of the old school um, rock steady crew from the Bronx that originated. In the uh, in the seventies and eighties, when that when all that started, such as Mister Freeze and Crazy Legs and and those guys, so uh, they should be the on the committee to choose the team that represents the United States in breakdancing. So, cool. with cornhole, I mean, hey, make your case, <laughs> and uh, you know, present it. You never know. I think. I mean, I don't know why they don't just throw like a thousand events. I'll watch all of them. So make it make it fun. Just throw everything they can in there. Uh, also, I watched an event last night. Uh, we'll get into it later. I know people have made fun of it and heard it about it before. I don't care. I loved it. We'll talk about that. But next, some Lakers talk. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. The struggle is part of your legacy. And what Giannis did this year, what Michael doing when the Bulls, when the Pistons beat the hell out of him for three or four straight years, and he's like, no, I'm going to keep getting better. I'm going to keep getting better. That's the difference in my opinion. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Back here, Cofield and Company. On to this Friday. No conflict Friday? Is that what it's supposed to be? I guess we can try to keep doing that. I don't think we'll have any conflict here. Talking about the Lakers, a lot of moves to get into. See how much better they could be, how much better they are prepared uh, to maybe compete for a championship. Uh, Alan Sliwa joins us. Lakers pre and post. You can hear him on ESPN Los Angeles. How you doing, sir? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So, I mean, let's just get right into it. Are the... Lakers better right now than they were at the start of last season. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't hesitate. Maybe I'm on uh, – I know there's a lot of people who have been critical about some of the moves for the Lakers, but I think no question about it. I mean, you know, what they gave up to go get Russell Westbrook, um, you know, they're role players. They're, they're players that most definitely can help you through a grind of uh, 82-game season or last year's 72 games. But Russell Westbrook's a different level. You know, there aren't really any players like him in the NBA. Does he have his flaws? Of course he does. I, I just hope people were, with each flaw that they mentioned, they talk about some of his characteristics and the fact that he's got three of the last four years, averaged a triple-doubles, got an engine and a motor like nobody else in the NBA. Um, I, I think the Lakers are better because you not only added another um, elite, elite player, but you also got a lot of veterans, too. And some of them, yes, are at an age where 
Um, you know, they're not going to be playing 35 minutes a game, but that's okay. You got veterans, guys that all I, I think will pull the rope in the same direction to try to win a championship. So, in my opinion, uh, it's not a question that the Lakers got better. So, I, I mean, you you don't have to sell me on Russ Westbrook. I think the guy's amazing. I love him. Love watching him play. I think he's fantastic. Uh, but I, I'm I have the same questions a lot of people do of. How does it work? How does it work when you're actually on the floor and you've got guys like LeBron and AD and and we know how good they are and how much you know the offense runs to them all the time? And Russell is a guy that likes to have the ball in his hand. So how does this work? Well, if if Westbrook was you know a selfish basketball player, or if I thought let's just say he wasn't averaging um, from an assist perspective, perspective double digit assists. Uh, over the last couple of years, then I, I would I would get it. I would understand it. There's other players out there that not only do they have to have the ball in their hand, but let's say they're not facilitators or they're not playmakers. So I, I think for the Lakers, there's a couple ways Russell Westbrook's going to work. Number one, you're probably not going to find as motivated as a player that's trying to win a championship. L- look on the other side. There's two favorites right now in the NBA. The other team is Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is there. Since KD left Russell Westbrook in the Oklahoma City Thunder, He's kind of gone through mediocrity, right? Every team that he's been on, there's been another player there, but we all know they had no chance of winning a championship. In in this predicament that he's in, he's the third best player on the team. Let's uh, not forget, and I know a lot of people point this out, but LeBron's going to go into his 19th season in the NBA. Uh, Trust me, guys, last year watching every single game, anytime LeBron would go to the bench to just try to go get a breather, right? Four-minute, five-minute breather. You might take a five-point lead, and he comes back, and they're down three or four. So, I think Russ is going to add this element of that you can kind of keep your foot on the gas. You can give LeBron some opportunities to play off the ball. You can let LeBron sit on the bench for a little bit longer because Russ can still carry things. So that, that's how I see things working. And then, listen, towards the end of games, yes, they're going to have to try to be strategic. Yes, you're going to have to try to attack teams different ways, all that other good stuff. But LeBron and AD are the two best players on the team. Hopefully by the time the season's over, we're talking about Anthony Davis starting to take over the Lakers franchise, but those are going to be just as important than whatever Russell Westbrook does. Alan, last week, as the trade was going down, um, we were on the air, actually, um, mm-hmm. last Thursday, and I had made mention of of, in, of a memory that I had from when Team USA was out here practicing. I don't think it was an Olympic year. It was might have been an, uh, an in-between um, maybe a cup year, but I'll, I'll never forget the relationship off the court afterwards, after every practice, LeBron and Russell were always together. I'll, I'll never forget. They were, they were messed around with, with Bronny. He was little. Um, they, uh, LeBron was telling Russell how, um, how Bronny had chosen him on his video game. It, they seemed very close and already had somewhat of an established uh, friendship. What are you familiar with that as far as the, the relationship they have and, and how much can that help in in somewhat piggybacking off what you just talked about in in, in that on court relationship, you know, um, you know, just being able to already have somewhat of a built in chemistry and friendship? Well, I, I think ultimately it starts with having a respect for each other. And I think you know, I, let me give you a good example. Uh, earlier today, Dwight Howard, officially a Laker again, addressed the media. One of my questions to him was, hey, do you feel Russell Westbrook is underappreciated? And he just kind of went into his rant of, do you know how tough it is to do what Russell does? And and I, I, and I the reason why I mention that is because whether you're a Russell, Russell Westbrook fan or you're not, whether you're a fan of his game, um, I think his peers really respect him. 
So I mention that because LeBron, if he's got a respect for your your motor, how you play the game, how you're trying to play the right way, I'm not saying that he plays perfect because, you know, obviously um, there's areas of Russell Westbrook's game that you can easily point out as flaws. But I think it's incredibly important that there is a relationship. You know, there was an article, um, somebody that I really uh, enjoy having on a few of my different shows. His name is uh, Brad Turner of the LA Times. So BT uh, had an article last week talking about how Russ, LeBron, Anthony Davis met at LeBron James' house. They had a conversation a couple weeks ago before this trade went down about what it would look like if they played together, how they would sacrifice for one another, and so forth. That's why I think I'm less concerned about LeBron and Anthony Davis. There's no move like that happening within the Lakers organization unless their input is had. And if those guys believe, especially LeBron, hey, we can make this work, no question about it. I want this guy on my team. I believe him. I trust him. And and I, I say that because as you kind of put that question out there, I think it's a big part that there is a relationship, that there is a respect. And, oh, by the way, Russell Westbrook's never won an NBA championship before. He'll never have a better chance to win a championship. So I think whatever it takes, whatever sacrifice he has to make, I think he'd be willing to have. And then Lakers should have a little chip on their shoulder, too, getting kicked out or getting beat up in that first round after AD went out. Do you expect uh, AD to play a lot of five in this lineup? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, the, here's the reality. The last two years, he hasn't played a lot of five. Now, when push came to shove and they needed him to or they're in the playoffs, he's not going to hesitate. He'll play the five. But I think there is a strategy of, hey, in an 82-game grind like we're going to get you know, this upcoming year, why play him at the five every possession if you don't need to? You know, let, let Marcus All kind of handle a big man. Let Dwight Howard, like he did a couple years back, like JaVale did, and in this case this season, because Dwight's coming back to the Lakers. Let them play the five through an 82-game grind. But when push comes to shove, when are the Lakers their best? They're their best when AD's at the five. Um, he is locking up another big man out there, dominating, making one of those other bigs have to guard him on defense. But do I expect it in the regular season? Yeah, to be honest with you, I'd probably be surprised if he plays a lot of five just because that hasn't been the strategy the first his first two years with the Lakers. So we talk about all the signings. They brought in, you know, the big name, of course, is Westbrook that they bring in. But they, they sign a bunch of veteran guys. Everybody laughs about the ages. But then they start making some other additions, too. And you bring in a guy like Kendrick Nunn. You bring in... Uh, you know, uh, like uh, Malik Monk, which I thought was a really good signing for them. Like, which signing do you look at as, apart from the big three, like who's the most impactful guy they bring in that could really help? Well, I, I think they'll, you know, I, let me give you an example. When Carmelo signed, Twitter reacted like Lakers just signed Luka, which is, you know, obviously a little comical there, but <laughs> I, I get it. It's Carmelo, his relationship with LeBron. Do I think Carmelo is going to have this crazy impact with Lakers? Probably not. He's 37 years old. I, I thought the, you know, the one I thought was interesting. I, I didn't think Nunn was a player that um, uh, Lakers were trying to get. Patty Mills. I thought he'd have been fantastic. He ended up with Brooklyn, but I think for them to get Kendrick Nunn in the two years that he was with Miami, kind of a feisty player, can create for his own shot, can put a lot of pressure on defenses. I really like that move. You know, I, I think that's one that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. And some of these other signings that they got, they're all going to serve their purpose. Ken Bazemore um, is a nice player in this league, and, you know, he's 32, 33 years old. He, he's a vet that understands how to play. Wayne, El- Wayne Ellington 
is a spot-up shooter. Uh, he'll obviously have a fit for the Lakers. So they, they've done their best with the resources that they had to kind of fill up the rest of the roster. And, um, you know, I, it's tough because on paper you just look at it and say, oh, okay, this is um, this is great or this is a no, no question about it. I, I think I, I'm very curious to see – the first couple of months of the season, kind of thing, how things roll. But I, I, in my opinion, they're the team to obviously come out of the Western Conference, and I don't think that's a shock or anything along those lines. But I, I, I definitely feel if they stay healthy, um, I'd be curious to see who's putting up a fight in the West. Alan Sliwa joining us. Listen to him on Lakers pre and post ESPN Los Angeles. Check out all the great stuff there. Follow him on Twitter as well, uh, just at Alan Sliwa. Um, how much flexibility do they have left? Are they pretty much done at this point, or they got a couple spots left? Um, they can still go try to get guys on the minimum. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw out a couple names that are still out there. Um, JJ Reddick's still out there, and you know, maybe he'll maybe the, the minimum is not enough for him. Maybe he's able to squeeze out a little bit more money. Um, I think the Dennis Schroeder piece will remain to be will continue to be interesting. Not that Dennis Schroeder will come to the Los Angeles Lakers, but or I'm sorry, resign with the Lakers because I think it's pretty pretty obvious that that's not going to happen. But if they did some type of a sign and trade because Dennis Schroeder needs the help of the Lakers to go get whatever contract that he gets, maybe there's a, a small piece or a small chip that comes there. Andre Iguodala, we saw this morning, signed back with the Golden State Warriors. That was a name that was being rumored. So. Anything I think at this point that gets done, uh, I don't expect it to be anything you know truly impactful. I think the the roster that they have right now will probably be the roster. What's it going to take for Laker Nation to get over the departure of Alex Caruso? Um, three championships, just three in a row, and then I think the city will be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because you know Caruso is uh, first. I, I think there were some question marks because you know. The Lakers could have signed him. The Lakers could have went out and, and offered the type of money that the Chicago Bulls did. And um, Laker fans love him, and they don't. It's one thing to like a player just because he's good, but I think with Caruso, he really had a unique story in the NBA, unique story with the Lake Show, and helped win a championship. And you know, was one of those guys that never complained, rolled up his sleeve. There's a lot of respect for Caruso, so I think people are are, are happy for him that he went out and got paid his 37 million. And I think there's also Laker fans say, why didn't we give him that money? But um, he put out a post just, uh, I don't know, within maybe the last couple of hours that was just kind of thinking about L.A. I, I'm already thinking of the time that when Chicago comes to Staples Center one time next year, how Laker fans will give him you know, the, the respect that he deserves. Alan, we're seeing reports that Kawhi is expected to re-sign with the Clippers. Um, if they're, And you said the Lakers, you know, with what they put on the floor, they should be the team to beat. But if there's going to be a team that's going to compete or contend, is it is it going to be the defending Western Conference champion Suns? Do you see it being the Clippers? Who do you see in the West giving this Lakers, the complexion of this roster, um, the hardest time? Um, you know, to be honest with you, and I know this is, there's still a lot of, uh, maybe you could say question marks left, but the team that you really got to keep an eye out for is the Golden State Warriors. Um, and that's, I know what Utah, what they're building over there. And Phoenix, obviously, like you mentioned, they won the West, they beat the Lakers. But I think there were some circumstances there that obviously fell into, um, fell into hand there. But that's okay. That's part of the game. And, you know, if you're Milwaukee, you can't worry about Brooklyn getting injured. That's just, that's, that's part of the MS, part of sports. 
But I say the Warriors because not only are they getting Clay back, they got assets. And I, I don't know if you're the Golden State Warriors, you know, what's the point of holding on to your assets um, when Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green, those three are only getting older every single day. So I'd be curious that by the time we get to the trade deadline, something along those lines that the Golden State Warriors are, they're, they're seeing where there might be an opportunity because if they go out there and you know they're, they're able to use some of their younger pieces and Andrew Wiggins and you know some of these draft picks that they just had, and, and they find the right fit to go get you know a fringe all-star player or an all-star caliber player, that's a team. And you know you can't ever forget what they accomplished over the years. And the only reason why they haven't been in the mix is because of the injuries. So I would look at the Golden State Warriors as a, a team to really keep an eye out for because not only do they have champions on that roster, but they also have uh, obviously some assets where they can make some moves. Awesome, awesome stuff as always. We appreciate it. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I hate doing the white-to-white white for sure, but fans are going to get over Alex Crusoe with Mac McClung. I love that dude. Hey, yeah, listen, if there's another player that the uh, that Laker fans can embrace, they'll do it. But that, I, I'll go back to this with Caruso. The dude just earned everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and there, was, there was a time that I, I kind of been fortunate just being in the middle of it. There was a time where – you know, nobody knew what Alex Caruso was, and then it was like, okay, this dude coming from the G League and going back with the Lakers. And then there were times where, you know, towards the end of games, I'm like, you can't have Alex Caruso not on the floor. So it just <laughs> kind of shows you his journey. And, and you know, I, maybe we see that more in the NBA. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of other teams. For me, that's a perfect example of somebody that it's almost like he was cropped in the farm system, and then he came up to the big leagues and he delivered. So everybody has a, a different type of love for him. Dude, he was summer league hero here every year, and that's a transition because we're going to, we're talking summer league next. But he was always awesome in the summer league, and uh, you were you're always awesome on the show. So we appreciate it, man. You got it, guys. Have a good uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Alan. You too, Alan Sleewell. You can follow him up on Twitter at his name, Alan Sleewell. Also, ESPN Los Angeles Lakers pre and post. As we said, summer league talk coming up. It's here. It's time. One of the biggest events in Las Vegas every year. Summer league coming up soon. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. It is Cofield and Company on this Friday. Lots to get into today. We're talking Raiders a lot later on. Uh, certainly some more NBA talk, some Olympics. So much going on in the sports world right now. We'll get into, but it is almost that time in Las Vegas, Willie. It's, I know, one of our favorite times of year, favorite time of year of a lot of people here in Las Vegas, a lot of sports fans. Summer League is starting. It is exciting. Coming up. You didn't sound excited enough. uh, No, I I heard you continue, so I interrupted you, so I stopped. But I am definitely excited because, uh, as you said, it's, it's, it's one of those weeks where, you know, if Adam and I don't run it, because Adam's pretty much at every single event out there but uh, in Las Vegas. But I can count on always seeing Adam. Uh, there's, there's, there are several events or, or 
or sports or whatever, where I know Adam's going to be at outside of Golden Knights Raiders, and I'll see him. And NBA Summer League is one of them. I'll never forget the one year we were out there, and we both were might have been the only reporters out there who knew and were excited about writing about Nate Walters. <laughs> that was a good time. There's always those breakout stars. We actually just talked about one. Uh, so let's get into it. Albert Hall joins us on the phone now. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Come on, guys. Summer League's the epicenter of the sports world this week. Let's go. It is. It is, for sure. It always is, especially here in Las Vegas. Uh, nothing else matters. It's, it's Summer League time coming up Sunday. Well, what are these last couple of days before it starts like for you? Because for us, it starts Sunday. It's got to start way sooner for you. What are these couple of days like? You know what? It's a lot of planning, a lot of logistics. Uh, we're, we're just trying to keep everyone safe. I mean, that's the first and foremost thing, right? Uh, just to clarify that, I mean, fans are, are welcome, all fans. All you need is a mask, right? That's the only thing. The vaccine, all of our teams and whatnot are, are vaccinated. But at the end of the day, as a fan, you get a ticket and a mask and you're in and it's summer league is normal. So we're just doing a lot of prep work. You know, we're getting ready. We're making sure, obviously, the games look good, feel good, everything's safe. And, uh, you know, we build a, an unbelievable setting here for both the teams and the fans. Yeah, it's always, it's always a great time. Well, uh, we have some, some specific guys to ask you about and maybe uh, some, some uh, logistical things about what's going on this week. But uh, we were actually just talking about the Lakers. We were talking about Alex Caruso uh, with, some of, uh, with Alan Sliwa from down in L.A. And he was just kind of talking about how much Alex Caruso, like, tied himself with that fan base and that community and I said, that's sort of with the Summer League. He was a Summer League superstar. Like, those are always the fun stories, right? Where guys, you think, all right, this guy's going to play in the Summer League. We're never going to hear of him again. And then he, he goes up to the NBA and kills it. Like, those are the fun stories from Summer League to me. No question. Each and every year, there's somebody who, who seizes the moment, takes center stage. And we were just talking last night at dinner, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy, right? <laughs> now he just signed a $90 million contract. Summer League, everybody, Tyler Hero had that great first game. They go to watch him, and, and Duncan goes off. So, I mean, and we could go on and on and on. I mean, you go back to the Dame Lillard when people are like, wow, is this guy really worth the sixth pick? And then, you know, he goes out and does what, does what he does. But, um, you know, every year there's someone who steps up. We always go back to the, the Lynn Sanity moment in Cox Pavilion against John Wall, right? And that was an unbelievable setting. Um, but I think this year in this draft and a guy like Caruso who, who built that fan base, Summer League allows that, but I think also it's, it's kind of a barometer, right? Guys who maybe were under the radar in the draft, they come in and go, hey, there's a lot of hype at these top five. There may be a guy like, you know, Book Knight or, or somebody else who come giddy who comes in and says, hey, I'm going to take over. So we, we look forward to that. As Summer League fans, I mean, we get juiced every day on the matchups, and then, you know, you're waiting for that stellar moment. And, I, you know, I, I look at a guy like Suggs. I look at a guy like, obviously, I know Jalen Green is a showstopper, but the talent this year is off the charts. And that's the one thing I want our fans to remember. It's like, hey, Summer League, it's kind of a goofy year and all that, but this is the draft class we've all been waiting for for quite a while. So it's going to be electric. And, Albert, I mean, if there's one thing that – that we can always take from this is that, you know, you look back at some of the, the great names that have played in this and you just said it where, you know, some people may, you know, you, they look at this and they say, well, it's not the NBA and the, and the, and the finals are over or the Olympics are going on. But what they don't realize is like you said, you're watching the future of this league 
Um, what are some of your favorite memories with some of the names that maybe some people out there, fans out there, don't realize have actually come through the Summer League? And not only that, but the current stars that still show up because they just love the fans, they love the the game itself. I know, you know, a couple of the the younger the guys that are that are going to be the future or are the future. One guy who I've always been a fan of, of running into, and he's always personable, just catching up is is uh, D Book. Devin Booker yeah. has always been personable. Uh, Zach Levine. These guys love coming, mm-hmm. just hanging out. They they still interact with the fans. Give us a couple of your favorite memories going back with some of the names that people may not realize have come through this league and, and, and you know, some of the now veterans that still show up. Look, that that's what Summer League's based on, and that's what it's about. When, when Warren and I started this, you know, 18 years ago now, it was like, come see the stars of tomorrow today. Right, and that's what it is. I mean, these you want to be that person who says, "Hey, I saw them win," and you know, going back. I mean, start with LeBron. Right, LeBron shows up every year. He's that guy who says, "I want to see what these young bucks are all about." You know, so he's there. Bradley Beal, James Harden, as you said, Steph and Clay and Draymond, and I mean, all these guys say, "Look, I got my start there," and that's you. You talk about Devin Booker. I was telling people same thing, Willie. He is just the most humble kid. He's a great role model. He's just one of those guys who just you know is going to be good. And guess what? We saw that on display this year. So, I mean, and you go back to a guy like Brandon Roy, you know, if he would have got hurt. But remember how good he was at Summer League. And it was like people just, they're not aware of how good some of these players are, depending on geographically or what conference they've played in. Um, or international, too. You know, I remember Marco Bellinelli dropped 31 in his first game, and guys like, who is this guy? This guy's really good. So every year there's those moments, and just for those guys to come back, and we, Warren and I always say, hey, this is your league. You know, you guys helped us found this thing. You always have a home here. You're always welcome, and we try to keep that door open. And one of the things that, that you had a record number of, we keep hearing record crowds, but two years ago, uh, the summer before the pandemic year, we uh, there was a record number of media because they had come over to see Rui Hachimura. So yep. you, you mentioned the international stars. Um, you, you, you're also getting the media come out, the media interest. How's just everybody else? I mean, you talked about your team, you, you know, your, your summer league team. You always have a great support staff. As far as the uh, the media interest for this one. Uh, I think it's great. I think people are still a little bit, you know, we're still in COVID. There's no doubt. So we're working through all these protocols. The NBA is the gold standard for all of this, though. They've done a great job through this, you know, and, and they've been the leader going back to the bubble to now. So the media know, hey, if I go there, I'm going to be safe. It's worth the effort, especially if you've been following one of these younger guys. Um, the interest and the level of excitement in media-wise, no different than in years past. Like I said, you, you, you've got to wear a mask or you're credentialed and you're vaccinated, things like that. So there's protocols in place. But I don't think it's going to dampen the spirit of the media, the fan. I'll tell you this. The teams, we were watching Orlando. We were watching the Knicks practice yesterday in Orlando last night. The teams are juiced. They have, it was, it's interesting because, you know, it's a long summer. Sometimes guys, hey, okay, I'm going to play a game or two. Not this year. The teams are ready to play. Obi Toppin is in full sweat last night. He's working his butt off. Shoot, Mo Bamba's out there with the young guys, Orlando, doing it. I mean, there's, you know, and you look at a guy like Suggs and Cole Anthony, who didn't get to play in summer league last year, right? He's like, this is my moment. This is fun. And so I think you're going to see that different spirit. I mean, Detroit is coming to win the event, right? They're like, wait, we've got Kay Cunningham. We're playing Sadiq Bay. We're playing, you know, Nigel Hayes, all the, uh, 
a couple of these guys. I mean, they're, they're all going to be out here, and I just think there's a different vibe this year. It's awesome. We look forward to it. August 8th through 17th, starting Sunday, NBA Summer League, UNLVTickets.com. Albert, awesome as always. We look forward to it, man. Thanks, Albert. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for your support. Yep.